Well, good morning, friends. Welcome to Tuesday, December the 14th, and I hope you're off to a great week. We are on enough for today. We are in Psalm 132, and we are studying the Messiah. We're studying a messianic psalm, a psalm that points to Jesus and prophesies not only his first coming, but his forever reign and the fact that he will uh, be of the line of David and that he will be the forever king. I've been thinking a lot about it uh, the last few weeks because we're studying Christmas oracles on Sunday, and uh, I was thinking about how many of our hymns are written in the sense of the millennial kingdom, the looking forward to of the coming reign, uh, the forever reign of Jesus, and that new heaven and that new earth. There's so many of our songs, and it, it occurred to me that there was a generation who didn't have it as good as this generation has it. Materially, prosperity, uh, our prosperity, our technology. Um, now, planet Earth is in a pretty bad state, but follow where I'm saying. Pre-COVID, uh, there was a generation that really had never had a war, never had um, a whole lot of setback. We've had little bits and pieces of this, but nothing like, like World War One or World War II, nothing like a plague that wipes out a huge percentage of the population. Um, nothing like the survival work and labor and toil um, that, that families experienced in the Depression, say, or prior to the modern conveniences of the industrial age or electricity or modern transportation. Where I'm, where I'm going with this is that life has always been hard, but it's for most of time in space, it's been harder uh, than it has been for our generation. And for many all over the planet outside of the Western world, it is just as hard. The reason I bring that to the, to the forefront is that one of the things that held followers of God together through all of the ages, through all the wars, through all the turmoil on planet Earth, through all the brokenness and devastation and unpredictability, through all the vulnerability, one of the things that held his followers together has been holding on to his promises from his word and knowing that because he's kept his word, because he's kept his promises, and because he gave us his own son, he's going to richly give us all things. He's a giving God. And we have a short time to journey uh, on mission, in purpose, through this broken territory, this war-ravaged territory, and we will soon be home. We'll soon be arriving home. And so many generations of believers have framed their lives on these truths. And they're not look, they haven't been looking at Scripture as a way to make this life better as much as they've been looking at Scripture as a book of promises about a better life. And sometimes I just think modern Christianity has gotten off track in terms of uh, peace and prosperity and health and wealth Christianity, looking at Scripture as a formula for how to make this existence better, instead of looking at the true narrative of Scripture that says, hey, in the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. There is a, there is a cosmic and a... a a comprehensive overcoming that Jesus is working. And he's working in the meantime, all things to good for good 
but he is preparing a place for us. And Psalm 132 tells us about that place. We left off in verses 13 and 14 yesterday. For the Lord hath chosen Zion, he hath desired it for his habitation. This is my rest forever. Here will I dwell, for I have desired it. So God has, he's bringing all of creation to a point of rest and renewal, new creation, judgment, vindication on evil, destruction of death, and a forever peace. And then in verse 15, he begins to describe his heart in that kingdom as that king. Now remember, there's a reason we're doing this at Christmas. This is the king born in the manger, okay? This is the Messiah that the word of God or that Jesus is, okay? In his first um, in his first coming, he was a baby. He was a man um, on a mission of suffering and redemption. In his second coming, he's going to be a judge and a conquering king and a, and a hero coming to make all things right and new. So he says, I will in that, in that day now, okay, this is your God telling you how he's going to take care of you. I will abundantly bless her provision. This is Zion. This is the new creation, the new kingdom. He will abundantly bless. I will satisfy her poor with bread. He's going to feed. He's going to feed us well. He's going to feed everybody. He's especially speaking to those who have struggled all their lives for provision. Verse 16 is beautiful. I will also clothe her priests with salvation, and her saints shall shout aloud for joy. Heaven will be one eternal celebration. We will shout aloud for joy. You know, so many times we come into God's presence weeping, right? But God says he will dry every tear. The context of this eternal new place of worship in this new kingdom, this new heaven, new earth, will be absolute comprehensive joy. And the priests, um, I have a feeling that's a reference to you and me. So let, let me break that down and why, why uh, we believe that. A priest is a go-between, between God and man. Jesus is our ultimate high priest. And there's no man on earth that can be my priest and I can't be a priest for any other man, okay? The only priest is Jesus. But in the sense that a priest has direct access to God, is a mediator to God. When God says he will clothe her priests with salvation, I think there's two senses there. I think the idea is that there will maybe be those that lead in worship in heaven and they will be clothed with uh, the same salvation that we've received, the gospel of Jesus. And God is forecasting the gospel there, okay? He's saying salvation uh, will be a real thing. But I believe also he's, he's saying, I'm going to elevate those that have salvation into a royal priesthood, okay? A royal uh, place of significance and access to me and in relationship with me. What a beautiful promise. And in many respects, we... We, we are that now in God's eyes. So we are priests, we are saints. Her saints shout aloud for joy. There, verse 17, there will I make the horn of David to bud. We studied that in Isaiah 11. It's the same picture uh, of the, uh, the tree coming to life, okay? The kingship of David will rebloom, reblossom through Jesus. 
and he will bud and he will reign and he will rule forever. And this next picture, this next metaphor is also a picture of Jesus. I have ordained a lamp for mine anointed. Jesus is our light, our lamp, and will be forever. Um, Revelation says there'll be no more sun because the Lord will be the light. So it's that's pretty awesome. And then verse 18, and we'll wrap it up here. His enemies will I clothe with shame, but upon himself shall his crown flourish. So God will be a judge and a savior. He will clothe those who are faithful. Okay. I don't mean that in a sense of performance. I mean a sense of full of faith, belief. He will clothe them with salvation and grace and mercy. And we will relate to him only on the basis of mercy. And we will be, by the way, we are his crown flourishing. Okay. His kingdom flourishing. The righteousness of his reign flourishing. But he's also, and and mark this down, he is also a judge. His enemies will be clothed with shame. They will bear upon themselves um, the the righteousness of their deeds. In other words, the the punishment or the penalty of their deeds. There's two things I want to leave you with. The first is when you see injustice and when you experience injustice, you keep remembering how Psalms, tells us over and over and over that God is going to be the just judge. He's going to be the vindicator. The systems of men are corrupt, but the judgment of Jesus will be perfect, and it will be ultimate, and it will be final. But the second thought is, if you know Jesus, you don't have to worry about that judgment, okay? And if you don't know him, then receive him and trust him. But because you know him, he took the judgment so that in him and under his crown, look at the last word, you can flourish. Under his reign, in your life now and forever, he wants you to flourish. Hey, have a flourishing Tuesday, and I'll see you tomorrow.